Hello and welcome to Bottled Up on a mission to create conversations and make the mental health of men a top priority. You're joined by myself, Sunny, and Mayank, close friends from university who want to share the stories of everyday people on our platform. The reason? Because we are not alone. Before we kick this conversation off, thank you for tuning in and listening. If you haven't already, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and follow our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your conversations. It makes a huge difference to our reach with these awesome guests and potentially life-saving conversations. And if you haven't just yet, it takes 20 to 30 seconds to leave us a review and would help us out massively. Thank you again and buckle up for another great conversation. Chris, this will be a good test if you've done your homework on our past episodes. <laughs> we usually start these with a bit of a reflective and introspective, but hopefully fun question to kick things off. And then, you know, obviously you've got an awesome story around 100 Coffee Movement and everything that you're doing over in the UK, but you're a man of reflection. That's that's something I've learned. If you took the time to reflect, uh, one of the questions we always ask is, if you could see a version of yourself in a parallel universe, so in another galaxy, another solar system, there's another Chris Hope that exists out there. What version, you know, one singular version, what version of yourself would you want to meet and why? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, do you mean in relation, could this could be related to a different role or something like that, like a different? could be absolutely anything. It could be a completely, like like a Chris Hope that went down a different trajectory when he was like 10 years old or 12 years old. Maybe he's grown up with a completely different family, a different personality trait. Maybe 100 Coffee Movement didn't exist, but completely open field, this question. <laughs> For me, I've always really been interested in um, in acting. I always wondered what it would be like to go into acting. I think that that would be would be amazing if you met, you know, Chris Hope, the actor. I mean, what what would that look like? You know, I was I was a soccer referee for a long time, and actually coming back this season, uh, football for for the English, and um, you know, I sort of felt sometimes like I was an, like an actor on the field. And um, I think it was <laughs> red card, red card, yeah, red card, exactly. And I think it would be super interesting to to think about, you know, what what would I've been like as like an actor, what sort of what sort of um, films would I've been in? And I think yeah. that um, it ties a lot to kind of my, you know, a, a big part of my my personality is, is around like people and, and and social connection. And I think that that's yeah an area that I would have really enjoyed. But the other thing that I really enjoyed about refereeing was it was a very mindful experience for me. And I think that. You know, actors, I, I see actors on the stage or, um, you know, <laughs> you go to the theatre or so on. And you see it, it's very mindful for them and they're kind of, it's their personality in full. And I think that's really powerful. And I think it would be really powerful to see to see that as well and, like, what would that have looked like for me and, and how and how would that have, yeah, played out for me. Do you know what, what genre you'd, you'd be acting in? Well, if you're a soccer player and you're acting in soccer, I'm assuming, be, I'm assuming it would be some sort of drama or something. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I think I like comedy, mate, to be honest. I think that would be a comedy, cool, nice, nice. be more fun. Nice. I think, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I think com- comedy would be uh, would be a fun thing to be to be an actor in. I, I can I can definitely say that. So I'm not sure if I've only spoken to Chris for about uh, for, for about five minutes, but I think there's a there's a booming like positivity <laughs> in him. But I, I can imagine I can imagine him being a just like captivating the whole stage with like the lights down there, the audience gleaming and. <laughs> <laughs> Glitz and glamour at the theatre. Well, stand up, stand up comedy would be great as well. I mean, I would, you know, that's probably something, something for me to try. Maybe. I mean, I think stand up comedy would be really fun. Although, very talented people doing that. Yeah, so, and you have to do a bit of work. no, hundred percent. I completely agree with that. I think stand up comics. I think there's like a different, they're like a different breed, and they're super, super sharp and super, super smart. I went to the International Comedy Festival in Melbourne that happened, I think, a couple of months ago, and just like the one liners that these guys have. I mean, there's a certain part of their routine which is kind of 
rehearsed, but obviously there's like the 30%, which actually makes the difference between whether, you know, how good or bad a show is. And it's just, yeah, it's just incredible. One of my coworkers, she actually took a leave of absence from work because she wanted to pursue her own career in comedy. Uh, so shout out to Grace Zhang if she's, if she's listening, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. I've always wanted to know how, how people in stand-up comedy do it. They're just ridiculously smart and they have like all the confidence in the world, I think. Yeah, that's brilliant. And so, so yeah, incredible. And like you said, the, the Melbourne Comedy Festival is a great place to see some of those, you know, in, in, in inverted commas, amateur comedians that actually are incredible mm. and just so far ahead of anywhere 100%. else, um, even compared. To- 100%. So, Chris, you join, our, you join us from the UK. So what what uh, inspired the move over there? Yeah, to be honest, for me, the, the whole move has been related to study. So currently studying at the University of Cambridge. I uh, was very lucky to be offered a place here and, um, you know, really grateful for that. So, yeah, I think that, that that's kind of been the, the main motivator behind the move for me. I think there's a couple of secondary factors I was really curious about, again, living in a different country. I spent some time in the UK in my early 20s and then in the Philippines in 2018, and both of them were quite transformative experiences for very different reasons. And so I felt that, um, you know, a few years of lockdown in uh, in Melbourne and a few walking to South, you know, every cafe in South Yarra <laughs> within our five kilometres of course, and knowing all the uh, all the baristas in South Yarra. Shout out to uh, South Yarra coffee. Oh, yeah. SOS, SOS Cafe. Um, I think that, yeah, you know, I mean, for me, it was just about change and, and just, you know, taking the opportunities to study at, at Cambridge. And then obviously, you know, being so close to London and being able to travel and meet different people has been a big factor for me as well. And to continue to kind of build on this story that, mm. that um, you know, we're talking about today and, and has been a big Absolutely. part of my life. Then, Mank, I don't know if you can pick up on it, but I can, I can hear a slight British twang. <laughs> To, to Chris's British twang. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's a slight yeah. there's a slight inflection there with you, Chris. I don't know. I don't know if you've picked this up in your twenties and <laughs> or you've been doing a bit of acting on your side, but been around too many Britons, mate. Too many Brits. <laughs> <laughs> too many Brits. Oh, it? It's funny you say so I was actually born here, so I was um I've kind of been in between as well, don't I? It's good, uh, it's good work from you there. Um, no, I, was, I was actually born here. So I, I moved to Australia when I was 13. And your family, are they uh, based in Melbourne? Have they all relocated to Melbourne or do you still have like a bunch of you know extended family over in the UK as well? A bit of both. I mean, my my parents are down in Torquay, so a very nice part of the world. Very down nice. Down the Great Ocean Road. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. My sister also recently moved, moved down there. So but apart from that, I mean, the majority of my my family are in the northwest of England, in Manchester, a place called Preston. So yeah, it's um, always nice to go up and visit family and see them and and, and so on as well. Whilst being over here too. Yeah, awesome. There's definitely a Preston down here, but I think there's completely different scenes to what Preston Look, Chris, you're doing you know firstly awesome work with the Hundred Coffee Movement. You're the chief barrister, or not barrister, barista. <laughs> barrister. <laughs> Can you imagine being a barrister at a, chief, at a coffee chief, shop? Bar- chief barrister at a coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> and look, obviously this, this came from like a personal project that uh, changed your life. 100 coffees, 100 strangers, one coffee per week. And, you know, I thought maybe to kick things off, obviously, you know, you had 100 coffees and I'm sure there's plenty more on top of that. And many of those would have been very memorable for you as well, you know, sitting down, reflecting on a lot of those conversations. Is there one that sort of comes to mind as being sort of thought-provoking or really led to a line of inquiry within yourself, you know, and a journey? Because I often find those with some of the conversations that I have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first of all, to say, I just want to just call out that, you know, I'm very thankful for everyone who's been part of this project. Uh, every time I talk about this project, I, I just want to call out that lots of people have helped me to, to get to this point and helped me to articulate this story. So thank you to everyone who's done that, first of all. In terms of the coffees, I think that, I mean, there's, the, you know, I often get asked this question, you know, is there one coffee? And and it's quite funny because I actually caught up with the person who I had this coffee with this morning. We had a, we 
into the Zoom call this morning, actually. Uh, and, and that was coffee number four for me. So I, I think to, to provide some context, I think the first three coffees were kind of just, they, they weren't very eventful, you know, if you, if, you, if you look at them individually. And so I was sort of thinking about the projects and I was like, you know, this is interesting. It's kind of, I'm meeting, I've met three people, like, is anything really happening to me? And then kind of went to coffee number four. And this is where I got asked a really powerful question that really changed my life and the way that I look at look at the world in a lot of ways. And I was sat, you know, with Steph and we were sat on Collins Street having a coffee and, and she asked me, you know, how do your personal values align with, align with your career? And it was the first time anyone had talked to me about values before. And so for me, that question became more about, it wasn't just about my career, but it became about my life. I think that I thought about, well, actually, like I could apply this question to everything. Like I could think about, you know, what was I doing in my personal life as well, not just my career. So, you know, I went home and, and, and I was writing down on the, on the page of, of suddenly started doing a lot of writing because of this project and reflection. And, you know, on the left-hand side, I wrote down the things that I was doing. And at the time, I was working in a job that was quite, it wasn't really challenging me. It wasn't really aligned with my values in some other ways. I'd just come out of a relationship that wasn't aligned with my values. So I was kind of at this point of being quite disconnected. And that was the purpose behind the project was to refine connection. And so I was really like, on the left-hand side, I wrote down all these things. And on the right-hand side, I wrote down, you know, what were some of the words that resonated with me? Like, what were the things that were important to me? Um, you know, what were my values? Because it was the first time I'd thought about values. Like, what, what, what do I actually care about? Like, what do, I, what do I enjoy doing? What's important to me? And so I use this as a bit of a roadmap to kind of get back on track you know, and see where was the alignment between what I was doing and where were my values. And it was a really interesting experience for me and probably something that, you know, I should do more often. I think it would be good to do that every year, for example, and just check in on that again. But I think it's really helped me to think about values and think about what is the type of work that I want to do and sort of maybe not reject some of what society wants us to do, but also think about, well, maybe that's not as important as kind of, you know, some of my values and what I want to do as well. I think that that's kind of what it, what it, so it's quite inspirational for me. And in, in that's, yeah, it's a great question. I think that it's a really challenging thing to be able to look introspectively and be really honest with yourself. I think self-reflection is such a, it's such a powerful tool. And we talk about this a lot, right? We say to people, you should reflect. And it's actually a lot harder than that. It's, it's harder than to just say that. Like, how, how do you go through this process of reflection? And being really honest with yourself, and I think that's a good starting point. Is that you need to be comfortable with seeing things that you you won't like, you know. And for me, in particular, this time, there, I was doing many things that didn't align with my values. You know, there, there was there was things that I was was doing in particular, you know, related to work and related to this relationship that I thought, well, this is, I mean, why am I doing these things? Like, but I think so. There was the, being comfortable with discomfort first of all, but also being like really curious around. Okay, like this is this is an opportunity, right? Like this is a ch- chance for me to, to align things to these values and to then set some smaller goals. You know, for what, for example, one of my values is around learning and being curious, right? And you know, so the hundred coffees naturally was about curiosity. Looking back on it, but I think that you know. I decided to enroll in MBA. So, you know, that was one thing that I, I wanted to enroll in further education because of this value. I thought I, I really want to learn. I, I want to get back into formal learning. I think that would be a great way to meet new people and so on. So, you know, for example, that was something that I, that I put down as an, as an action item for that point. And I think that I didn't meet all of the values for sure. And I agree with what you're saying there totally around, you know, values are fluid. I mean, I think they change they change all the time, but they, they, they really do change throughout our life. And what values mean to the three of us is very different, I think. But I mean, I mean, have you gone through a process similar yourself, the two of you? Have you thought about values? I mean, I'm sure that it's, it's definitely something you've both thought about in relation to this, this podcast, but also your personal life. I mean, how has that played out for you as well? I'd be interested to hear. Definitely. I, I've actually was thinking about this recently, Chris. I think for me, like different experiences shape my values, I think. And also the, the different experiences and the people around me shape my values. So if they're, for example, like for me, before, I guess... A couple of years ago, I think one of my values, like even before bottled up, and I think this is very similar to Sunny as well. Obviously, like 
being fully present and valuing that connection that you have with someone. I think that's something that I think I've developed over the past year, year or so. And I think, Sunny, I think this is very similar to your kind of growth journey as well. One of the, it kind of goes back to, I guess, the values of bottled up, I guess, which is very much valuing someone's time and never taking that for granted. So that, for example, like today, in today's conversation, you've donated your time to us to tell us your story and tell us your reflections. That's something that my myself personally, I'll never take that for granted ever. And it's something that will, and it's, I guess like that, that whole concept of time and that concept of connection, that's something that remains forever. I mean, it's not something that anyone can take away from you. And I think from, from an experiences perspective, as I've, I've sort of battled with anxiety in the past. So I, I guess like one of my kind of value points for that is I guess like understanding myself a bit better and, you know, putting myself first in some, in some instances as well. But I think uh, there's so many times in my life where I've, where I've, I guess, like I've said yes to a lot of different opportunities for other people and, and, and putting myself into different obligations, whether, whether it be at work and stuff, um, I guess like putting myself first a bit more as well. But Sunny, I'm sure you have a different answer or a different take. I, I echo you. I feel like for me, we are sharing time at the moment is sharing a point in our journey, which is a point in our life. And I think what would be really interesting, and I am guilty of this, I don't do it as well, um, I do it sometimes, uh, is reflection and actually writing things down on paper, taking the opportunity not only to write something down, but look at it. Because um, mm-hmm. I think there's so many gems that we miss by just, you know, the, the fallacy that we have, you know, where we think we might remember everything, you know, we simply don't. And so to Mang's point, completely agree around the, you know, valuing the time. But the biggest thing for me is connection. I think similar to you, Chris, the, the thing I value the most is being able to meet people from different backgrounds. I grew up in a family of in hospitality, parents owned a restaurant. And I think one of the things I learned very early on from that experience is just being someone really young in that restaurant, hospitality, you know, takeaway shop environment. So many people walking through the door, I would kind of be seven, eight, nine years old, just kind of seeing all these different diverse people walk through the door. And I think what that taught me was this idea of range and this idea of seeing so many people from so many different backgrounds and just seeing the way that my parents interacted with them, the way I picked up on some nuances. And I think that's really given me a lot of curiosity. Now, Chris, to your point, I think it's something that both of us have reflected a lot on. I, I guess to summarize and yeah, something Mank and I are always coming back to, I think, because it's like very much the guiding principle in a lot of the things that we do, you know, planning this episode, speaking to you right now, looking at the way we do our marketing or the way we carry ourselves day to day, even outside of bottled up. I think it's this idea of, you know, bottled up is an expression of us. It's not like, you know, these three distinct units where you've got me, Mank, bottled up. It's all of us as one. How do we embody those values on a day-to-day basis? So I know we've gone on a, on a massive detour there, but we'll pass it over to you, Chris, if, if you've got questions on that. But I forget the question we left off at. <laughs> but I'm interested to know as well, Chris, but if you, if, I don't know if you, if you have any questions for us, but was interested to know as well, did sort of reflection come naturally to you when you sort of started doing it for the first time? I think um, going back to being, being a soccer referee, I think one of the things that I really learned was, you know, in order, in order to improve, we need to reflect on the game and be really honest with yourself. So I think I, I always have had that kind of, um, you know, realizing how important reflection is from there. So I think I wouldn't say it came naturally to me, but I understood the power of it already. And I think that by putting something in place, you know, for example, at the end of each coffee, I would on the Sunday I would write I would write a reflection of the coffee. You know, I, I had three guiding questions. They were, you know, what was I grateful for? What did I learn from this person? And how can I apply it to my life? And you know, when I did that for a hundred weeks, it was very powerful, and it kind of got me into this habit. And now I now write every single day. I, I mean, I write every single morning. So I think that um, yeah, reflection it probably didn't come natural to me, but I understood the value of it. And I think carving out the time is a really important thing. I think having the time, putting time in your calendar to reflect, putting time in your calendar to write is so important, in my opinion. I mean, what about what about the two of you in relation to reflection? 
yeah like uh, when this year started honestly chris like i spent i can't remember when it was, if it was december or january i took myself out to a cafe just did this massive stream of consciousness um i spent probably three and a half four hours in that cafe felt super exhausted by the end of it but i think it was a good sign because you know there was literally i preferred typing at that point in time but i actually see the value in actually writing things down because you articulate the words and the emotions much better but it was something in the order of about like three or four thousand words of just like all this junk, maybe it's junk, maybe it's gems that were just sitting in my head that I just wanted to get out. And there were a lot of things that I picked out from that. And then my partner and I kind of put this challenge for ourselves and we haven't been following it too well. We've done it about three times this year where each month we take ourselves out on like a self-date and we've got, you know, these eight or nine guiding questions that we ask ourselves on the last last weekend of each month and ride out and reflect. And both of those reflections are sacred to one another. We don't really probe. I I got a little too curious at the start being like, oh, what'd you write about? But I think she, which I really respect her for is, you know, our reflections are our sacred space and that's our place to sort of share the things we want to share with ourselves and I really respected that so to to answer your question haven't been very religious with it the invite is still there in my calendar I see the reminder go off each <laughs> each weekend that it comes up and I do think that I want to put more time towards it there's no excuse there's there's no excuse around you know things being busy or anything like that it's a priority and, and it hasn't been prioritized uh, at the moment so I'm very keen to change that uh, Mank, what about you? Well, actually, I remember you um, told me about that, Sunny, about uh, December last year. I remember you gave me a call, and so I was in I was in um, Brisbane at the time, and you gave me a call at the end of the uh, just to wish me happy New Year. And I'm like, oh, did you make any resolutions? And you and you mentioned that uh, that same story, and you recommended that I do the same thing. So I did the exact same thing. So I went to a cafe, just to one of the corner cafe from like you know, right next to my house, and uh, I sat down and I literally said, like, I literally just started typing, you know. He just said, I don't know what I think you said, Sonny, it was just go to go there, don't have any goal or any vision in mind, just go there and just start typing. Like just just start typing. I'm like, okay, fine. Um, so I went there and I sort of described my, my entire surroundings. You know, I'm in a cafe, the weather's really good, whatever, whatever. And then I literally just started and I I think I, I was just typing and I was in like a state of flow. And then I looked up at the time and I was typing for literally an hour straight. And I had absolutely no idea that the time had, fly, had flown so much. Had, had flown so much. It's like a self-psychology session. So I've, I've been to a couple of psychology sessions myself. And, and one of the things that they really do well in, in every single psychology session is that the psychologist would ask you trigger questions. And I guess from those trigger questions, you can just articulate yourself verbally. But I feel like with these self-reflections, when you're, when you're writing, the difficulty in it is sort of self-asking you those same questions. And I think from that, it's like you can just go and, and start writing. And that's, and that's what I did. So I just sort of try to put myself in the, in the eyes of, a, of any kind of psychologist. And I said, okay, how's this aspect of your life? And I just start writing, writing a response to that. And it just and it literally just went from there. Not to sure if you've been to any sort of psych sessions, but there was one question that the psych asked me. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I gave like a 20 minute response because I just <laughs> literally went from like A and it just triggered a lot of different things. I just went... And, you know, went on a massive tangent, which I think is it's good. Like it sort of lets your mind be free and yeah, it's good. It's like exercise for the mind, I guess. I mean, you can sort of go anywhere with it. It is so powerful. And I think, I mean, I want to give a shout out. I mean, Sonny, I think that the monthly lunch with yourself or the monthly cafe idea is brilliant. And I think that um, I want to give a shout out to Sandeep from Sari, Sandeep Varma, who actually, who, that is, yeah, he told me about it. I got it from Sandeep. Yeah, yeah, there you yeah. go, <laughs> so yeah. so I was just gonna say my partner works with Sandeep uh, at Sari Collective and then he passed it on to her and then she passed it on to me so shout outs where shout outs are due that is a shout out to Sandeep definitely yeah he's uh he's great always every time I meet him he always gives me a little one percent a little tip and and this one was the monthly lunch and I think 
The other thing that it does for me that that time is it also it's a time to celebrate, Sonny. I think it's also mm. you know the time to say you know one of my questions is always you know what have you done well this month? Like what super strengths did you use? And I think you know taking yourself out for a nice to a nice cafe or you know taking yourself out for a nice lunch and sitting there and you know and just thinking well you know this was actually a really good month. Like a lot of really good things happened to me. And you know sometimes we get caught up with this like oh we just need to achieve this next goal. I would and we're reflecting on you know different things, which is all all powerful, right? But I think we also need a question on there which says, well, what have we done well? Like, and, and actually a lot's happened. Like, and we've, you know, we've met so many interesting people and, and so on. And I think that that's, that's the other thing that I really get out of that monthly lunch also. Do you often find that, you know, I guess a struggle that I'm kind of going through at the moment is I feel like everything's quite monotonous and everything is quite repetitive. And I'm not being very intentional about the time that I'm spending. I feel like a lot of the days are kind of um, going past me. You know, it's by the end of the week, it's a Saturday, Sunday, and then it's a Monday again. And I'm kind of finding myself in that rut. And so I do these little pockets of challenges. And so one of the challenges I'm putting myself out there, and I can publicly declare it, (laughs) hopefully it holds me accountable, is trying to do a half marathon uh, in October for Melbourne Marathon. And I'm keen to know for you, like, do you often find yourselves in a rut? like that and and do you find reflection helps you kind of take a step back and be grateful for the week or month that it has been and the follow-on from that is actually I'd be keen to know how you practically apply that in your own life when you do sit down in the morning or you know you mentioned the lunch as well but when you do sit down with yourself in the morning what questions do you ask yourself to kind of start that writing process yeah definitely well first of all good luck with the training for the marathon for that (laughs) (laughs) Um, we look forward to seeing that how you go yeah look I, I think um I do find myself in a rut. I think, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I found myself this year at times um, in a bit of a rut because I've sort of, I feel like I have lots of little bits of things going on at the moment and I don't necessarily have structure. And I think like being a part-time student, working part-time, being involved in some part-time projects, sort of hundred coffee things over here. It's kind of, at times it's really exciting because you've got lots of things going on. But other times I feel like, you know, what, like I, find, I find it hard to focus and I feel like, well, what am I actually working on today? And then sort of the day goes by and you haven't really achieved anything. And so I feel like for me that this this is kind of also happens to me also when you have too many things going on and, you, and you're kind of part-time in a number of things, then I think that can also be quite challenging. And I found that personally really challenging. And one of the things I try to go back to is this kind of idea of going back to basics. And again, it comes from some learnings from being a being a you know soccer referee and kind of been involved in sport where you know where you make a mistake on the field and you know you've made a mistake or you know that you're going through a tough time you sort of you you go back to basics like you go back to you know the really simple things that you do really well and I think for me you know making sure that I, that I do the writing each morning is a big part of that meditation is also a big part of that as well um, and just trying to be you know more intentional with with the day um, I think to answer your second question around you know what questions do I ask I mean I think for me the morning you know the morning writing is more open so I'll honestly just have I'll write three pages in the morning and it's just whatever's in my mind. And there's no necessarily guided questioning for that. So sometimes it's it's a big reflection. Sometimes it's about the day coming ahead. Something sometimes it's about an individual thing that's happened or a person or you know, whatever that might be. But the other thing that I do is I write down at least five things I was grateful for from the day before. And I think that is really like helping me a lot to kind of see, you know, every day that there's, you know, there's lots of good things happening. I and mean, I've now done that for just over two years. And I think that during COVID, it was so powerful to see, you know, there are more than some days I would have, you know, 10, 15 things. And I think, you know, saying at least five has been really powerful for me that you don't just stick to five. Maybe there's, maybe, you know, maybe there's nine or 10 or whatever that is. And it's quite interesting actually to to kind of go through that process and every day and see, 
And I think that's really grounded me as well. One thing that's really spooked me there is, you know, you, you refer to your time as a referee. And I know you spent some time, obviously, refereeing and, and sort of being in the semi-professional sporting atmosphere. That was obviously a big part of your upbringing. And, and I often have this philosophy, and I think it's very true, is that you can often connect the dots looking back in your life they often lead you to where you are at the moment. And, you know, when you look back at your time as a referee in, in, in the world of sport, what sort of values do you think that inculcated within yourself? And, you know, as you look at your time with the 100 Coffee Movement, you know, when you pinpoint those little values that you've picked up during your time, how have they sort of played out in the world that you're in at the moment? Yeah, it's a really good question. I totally agree. You can you can often look back and see see dots, right? I think that for me, refereeing was always has always been about people, and that's mostly you know the people that I've met both off the field. Some of my best friends, some I've met some great friends through football, and I'm very very grateful for that. And I think that the other thing is that you know my philosophy on refereeing has always been that you know we should try and work with the players, we should talk to them, we should have a strong relationship with them. It shouldn't be about you know necessarily always the rules that there's you know there's there's kind of a grey area as well we can work within. And really that for me was kind of was a big part, particularly in the last I would say five to six years of my refereeing career was really important to me that I would always you know above everything else and above what necessarily was the traditional coaching of referees, which is in that necessarily the same way. But I would stick to my values around, no, I believe that, you know, communicating with the players is the best way, talking to them on their level and so on. So I guess that's the first point was about people. And I think that, again, you know, really, I've been involved in a lot of mentoring as a referee and I've always wanted to help others develop. And I think that now that ties into this idea of, you know, the teaching that I'm doing and kind of working within this kind of 100 coffee movement space and trying to kind of, yeah, I mean, you know, not necessarily help other people, but sort of tell the story and maybe if it helps someone, then that's great. So I think that, again, that value of wanting to help others, wanting to see others develop has, has been something that's, that's definitely played out. But I think refereeing is a lot of fun. And I think that one of my words this year has been has been fun, like trying to, you know, really, I think we can, I think we can often miss overlook that word as a value and, you know, try to make values always very serious and always about development and about, you know, getting yeah. better and improvement right and I think you know going back to it like fun is also a value I think that that's that's also a really important part of our lives and I'd love to hear from the two of you as well like I mean how do you measure your, do you know do you measure your fun do you do you think about that as well you know do you, do you have kind of I mean, like you were talking about karaoke. I'm sure that was very fun. It was fun, but the repercussions of having no voice is not not that fun. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I think fr- like friendship and connection could be a good barometer of fun. I feel like for me, I've always been, I haven't had the best relationship with like productivity and always trying to be productive or always try and, you know, I come from a background in consulting where I spend a bit of time in operations. And so <laughs> naturally I've always seen everything as like a system and seen everything as a way to be more efficient or more productive. And I think, I don't know, I haven't really shared this too much, but I often think that I've really fell in love with the world of operations because of that being a part of my identity during university and high school. And only now am I, you know, I still enjoy operations for what it is, but only now that I, you know, kind of step back and try and look at the way I perceive my life and the way I want to go about my life. And often it's trying to be intentional about, you know, make what you were saying earlier about the banh mi and the coffee, just enjoying things for what they are and not trying to seek any sort of output or seek anything else from that experience apart from what it is. I think the biggest measure for me is like, am I doing it because it truly makes me happy? And so for me, the biggest thing that I try and do on a daily basis is go for a walk. Uh, Today I was working from home and I um, was very conscious about trying to duck out for like 
three, I went for three, I think, three 20 minute, 15, 20 minute walks during the day. And, you know, my work colleagues are probably listening and <laughs> uh, saying that, you know, that's what you do during work from home. But um, for me, for me, that's, it was me plugging my music, wasn't plugging any other podcasts or trying to seek you know, trying to advance 20 minutes on, on, you know, the Huberman Lab podcast or whatever it might be. It's uh, me just enjoying greenery and the sunlight and putting on some British grime uh, as I go British on my walk. So, <laughs> But yeah, like, Chris, what about you? I know, like, celebration and fun, I think, should, you know, really be a big focus, at least in my, in, in my humble opinion, that we often take ourselves very seriously. And that's kind of the world that, I don't know, I'd, I'd be keen, maybe I'm, I'm diverting a little bit into the world of technology. And the role technology has sort of played, both from a connection point of view, a fun point of view. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm quite desensitized to fun because I've gotten such a huge release of emotion and dopamine from technology. So the little interactions that I do have, maybe walking on the street or saying hi to people, they still bring that sense of joy. But, you know, maybe would that sense of joy be different in a world where we weren't as connected as we were. But yeah, keen to know how you've um, gone about your relationship with technology in this world of meaning and connection and belonging that we have in our world at the moment. Yeah, I think what you're saying there aligns a lot with, with, with lots of things that I've been thinking about as well, Sonny, in relation to, you know, I think that we really value convenience over connection as a society. And I think we can even apply it to, to, to fun, right? I think that, you know, this dopamine hit of social media or whatever that may be is kind of it's more convenient than going out and, and actually connecting with people face to face. And I think we can apply that to many things that we do now. I think even very small examples of, you know, using the self-serve at Woolworths instead of speaking to a person, like, I mean, is that bad? No, but in, if you add all these things up, I mean, and we add up all these conveniences that we choose, I think that they can be very problematic for society. So I think that's where I think technology can be problematic. And, you know, when we talk about, you know, the measurement of fun, for example, and the measurement of connection with others, we might have, and, you know, you, we can talk about the classic example, right? I mean, we might have 3,000 Facebook friends, but how many of those are we actually connected with face-to-face? How many of those do we actually talk to? Well, probably not that many of them. So, you know, you know, again, is that, are we connected? Is, is, is technology helping us to be more connected? And I think that, you know, in some ways it does help us to be more connected. And, you know, I've, I've definitely been challenged on this topic before. And I think that, you know, I remember sitting on a panel and someone talked about, you know, marginalized communities and how they often can find their, you know, their tribe or their community through technology, which is totally true, right? And I think that if you move to a new city, you know, there's a great opportunity to to, to join the Aussies in London group. You wouldn't have that, right? If there wasn't technology, like how would you ever find their event? That's powerful. But I think technology is a medium for connection. And I think where it becomes dangerous is where we value convenience over connection. So we, we value these small, you know, dopamine hits over actually going for that walk and saying hello to people and being in nature and having the fun in with our friends on a Sunday or whatever that may be for, for us individually. And I think that really challenging that and saying, well, no, I'm, I'm going to put this in my in my calendar. And I think we do take ourselves too serious. I think I could be, you know, much, much the same of that. I mean, I'm always trying to be successful and trying to do the next thing and, you know, why am I not being productive? Am I learning through this? And I think we can, we all, I think we can all take ourselves too seriously. And I think that it's a big you know, and society tells us we need to do that. But um, I totally agree that just having that time to connect with friends, connect with ourselves and be really present. And something else that you touched on saying was, was around this idea of, you know, like ticking the box. And again, it goes back to convenience and, and sort of, you know, instead of, instead of looking at things as a journey and, and kind of the hundred coffees for me is the, is the kind of, you know, real sample of that. I never thought about this project of what it would be now. I never thought five years ago that I would be talking to you today about this project. 
I, like, I mean, I would have said you were crazy. I would have said you were crazy if someone said to me, you know, you're going to talk about this project in five years. You'd be sitting in, in, in the UK talking about this project. I would say that's ridiculous. Like, who would be interested in this project? So for me, it was all about the journey. And it was all about, I would just, I, and I committed to that over 100 weeks. And I think that's why, for me, it's been so transformative because I, I didn't expect anything from the project. For sure, it's, it's quite challenging, right? I think, um, yeah, having giving yourself space to kind of decompress is, is sort of really important. Maybe that's through writing or maybe that's through, you know, exercise or, you know, whatever that may be. I think that that's really important. Um, I think, you know, and, and and kind of, you know, a lot of the the lens of your podcast has been on sort of men's mental health. And I think just having friends as well that you can talk to about this and friends and different, and I believe friendship can be in different layers. I think we have some friends that, that's all about fun and we never have these conversations with, right? And we, we just message them, we go for a beer on Friday and we know it's going to be fun. And just totally the conversation will not be anything serious at all. And they're really important. And then we also have the friends that we can kind of talk to about this sort of thing that, you know, where we've had a really difficult conversation with a friend, maybe they they can guide us through that. And I think not keeping it to ourselves is really important, in my opinion. I think that being able to kind of, um, you know, and obviously respect confidentiality and all of those things that we're talking about somebody else. But I think whether that's through writing or whether that's through, you know, decompressing with another really close friend um, and having those friends that you can go to in a really difficult time and, and and not a difficult time necessarily for yourself, but a difficult time where you've had to have a really difficult conversation and think, well, you know, and, and the other thing that happens is, did I say the right thing? Like, did I, you know, maybe I triggered them even more? Like, was it, you know, and, and it kind of it becomes, it becomes quite hard, right? And you can sort of take on a burden yourself. And I imagine psychologists find this sometimes when they maybe first start their career that, you know, it must be very challenging for them. Some of the things that they hear from people and like they must go home and think, you know, did I, how, do, how could I possibly kind of decompress from this? So I think, yeah, just having some strategies in place around that. Uh, and then also some people that you can talk to also in relation to that. So I think that, yeah, I mean, heavy conversations do come up and it's really important as well. And I think also, you know, recognizing that someone's trusted you with that conversation, that's also a good thing, right? They're not just going to share that with anybody. So I think that that's also really powerful. And that comes from a good place from their end as well. I mean, this year for me has been quite challenging, to be honest, being away from being away from lots of friends and family. At times, you know, I've felt like, as I said earlier, I mean, doing lots of things and it being kind of not necessarily making progress on, on all of them at once. Um, I've put a lot of lot of pressure on myself at times, and I think that that's yeah definitely made me feel bottled up at, at times. And being being so far away from really close friends and my community and family has been difficult. Like I think I'm always a person that will meet lots of people. I already know that, and I think that I came here with that in mind that I would meet lots of people, and, and that was okay. But I think being so far away from really close friends and and I had some really good habits in place around you know I would see yeah and like you said it would be you know Friday night every fortnight I would do dinner with with someone. You know, once a month I do dinner with someone else. And it was kind of this kind of, I had all these like things in place, right? And I think removing those altogether has been really challenging for me. So it's probably just now that I've started to kind of build some of these really good friendships again here in the UK um, and also kind of let go of the fact that it's hard to keep in touch overseas. I mean, I do keep in touch with people. My friends have been great with me, but I think that, yeah, just accepting that, you know, it's, it's it's very difficult to maintain the same type of friendship from overseas and, you know, but they won't change, right? You go back to Melbourne and, and it's exactly the same. Yeah, and that would have made me feel a little bit bottled up over here sometimes, particularly in winter. You know, I mean, COVID was really bad here. Omicron was uh, quite bad. I, I got COVID at Christmas as well. So it was sort of a, you know, that was a difficult time and, and the darkness and, and the cold and moving to a new country and, and the challenges of that also all layered on top of each other. So but yeah, I certainly feel like through reflection, through gratefulness, through I'm very lucky to have a couple of really close friends in Europe, through some trips, 
and through that, I've been able to kind of work through that as well. Chris, like I'd be really curious how you've, and this is something I'm kind of going through at the moment as well, is we meet so many wonderful people throughout our life. And I'm sure you would have met so many wonderful people over the last, you know, 100 plus coffees that you've had. And, you know, I've met a ton of awesome people through high school and through uni and even through the different workplaces that I've been in, like the last workplace, this workplace. And you just want to stay in touch with a lot of them. (laughs) You always want to just like hear what's going on in their world. You want to catch up, you know, you like, you really love the person for who they are. But because of like the bandwidth that we have, obviously things become finite and you don't always have the time for everyone. And maybe there's this sense of guilt that gets attached to that. Or maybe there's this sense of, you know, I hope like I haven't given the wrong impression to that person. Like I really do want to catch up, but I've just got so much going on. And it's okay to give yourself that space time to time. And the reason I want to ask you is like, you've met a ton of awesome people. How have you kind of gone about in one way, managing those relationships, kind of keeping them active? Because relationships are two-way streak. You can't just drop off the face of the earth and expect in 10 years' time that you can just pick up the conversation from where you last left it. And with so many people that do, you know, come through in the world, you want to stay in touch with them. Anyways, I'm going in a circular motion. But the question is, you know, how have you kind of been conscious slash active, you know, about those relationships that you do form? Because I'm sure there's plenty more that, you know, you're going to meet over the next year. Two years, Yeah, I'm still in. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean... I think for me it's really about, um, well, first of all, trying to give first to others, I think. You know, maybe, you know, we, we, sh- we might share contact details, you know, who's going to message first and it becomes this kind of thing of you might wait for the other person. So I think that, like, first of all, taking the initiative to always message first and give first to others has been something that's really led to kind of quite a bit of success for me in this this area, I think. And then I think the other thing is, you know, just really understanding that, you know, there are different kind of communication cadences that you need with different people. I think that some friends, you know, my best friend and I, for example, we talk every Sunday. I mean, he lives in Hong Kong. And we've done this for about four years now where we talk every Sunday. We block that in the calendar and that's non-negotiable. Like Sunday morning for me here in the UK, it was Sunday evening when I was in Australia. Like that time is not like nothing goes over that time. That's blocked in the calendar. And really prioritizing that, for example. And then there'll be other friends. I mean, there's a guy I'm catching up with, you know, later this evening. And, you know, we we do a call every six weeks. And that's in the calendar as well. And just really, you know, valuing that as well and understanding. I, I think, you know, for me, it's just taking 25 minutes spare or something or half an hour spare. And I'll kind of just go onto WhatsApp, send a few voice notes, send a few messages, just touch base with some people and sort of you know, and just kind of stay, stay there. And I think that when you give first to others and it happens over time and sure, you might be the first person to reach out the first six times, but I think once, once there's a threshold and I'd be interested to, to see like what that is. I mean, I'm sure there's, I'm, I'm not sure there's any data on this, but the threshold of where, you know, someone will reach out to you first instead, right? Where the person feels like, okay, like Chris has reached out to me six times. Or I'm going to reach out to him first now. And I, f- I find that people then will, will start to organize things with me and they'll put it, something in our calendar or they'll reach out first. Um, so I think the idea of kind of giving first to others, but also, yeah, being respectful of totally like being respectful of people's time and also your own time as well. Like you can't see everybody, right? Uh, that's not possible. So, um, I mean, I organized a lot of lot of group gatherings, particularly when I was in Melbourne where, you know, I'd organize a big group catch-up. And one of the things I love doing is bringing people together from different parts of my life. You know, people from work, people from refereeing, people from study, whatever it might be. and really love introducing them to each other. I think that's been really great also. And then that kind of builds the tie that you have with that person because you've introduced them to somebody else. So, 
And you then have that mutual connection, right? I mean, Stefan being one for, for you and I, Sonny. You know, another person who I met in a very, and Ali, Ali Nura, yeah, of course, another shout out, Ali Nura, of course, another great guy. Again, both of them interesting in terms of how I met them both, right? I mean, Ali Nura and I, you know, we met through some of the, through the 100 Coffees and, and some of the work he was doing bridging us. Um, and then, you know, he's also been to some of these group events that I've organized and then met other people. And actually, he would have been at the same one with Stefan, actually. It's quite interesting that, like, there's different people from, you know, from your life that come together and then they sort of um, know each other and that creates a, a bond between you as well, I think. So, yeah, I mean, I hope that answers your question around um, how I keep in touch with, with people. But I think just having different, yeah, I mean, carving the time out to do it, putting in non-negotiable time with close friends and, yeah, really valuing friendship. It's super important, right? I mean, you know, we talk a lot about intimate partners and the, the importance of intimate relationships, but, you know, friendship's probably just as important, if not more important to us. So I'm uh, really, really valuing that as well. Yeah. It's a great response. I really like that. I think there is definitely that fine balance where you need to put yourself first as well in, in some instances. And it's, it's really hard trying to, trying to recognize that. And it goes back to the earlier point that we touched on uh, in this episode, which is being honest with yourself that you actually need that time to yourself. So often that we, we completely subside that and, and don't look at that as a priority. And I've 110% been guilty of that as well. And it's something I'm navigating now as I make and, you know, one of Mang's close mates, also a friend of mine that I've met through Mang and through work. These people are now going overseas and, you know, shout out to Baz, who's overseas for the last, you know, about two years. And now people are making plans to go overseas and you're physically disconnected. And, and so it becomes an even more conscious effort to stay in touch because, you know, you, you often hear stories of when someone's a father, you know, they lose touch with everyone or when someone goes overseas, they lose touch with everyone. And for whatever reason that happens, but would be very keen to try and challenge that and, and try and stay in touch because often it's very easy just to kind of slip off and, and lose that connection, which mm. keeps us thriving. And we actually spoke to someone today, a researcher in this space. Mm. One of the things that he mentioned was the suicide rates are particularly high in people between 35 and 45, particularly because, you know, when they're entering parenthood and they're entering fatherhood, they generally uh, sort of, they don't have time to, I guess, like connect with their old friendship group because they're so busy taking care of a new person that they've brought into this world, right? So that's where, I guess, most incidences of, of people taking their own life generally happens within that within that age. And it's interesting that you mentioned this, and I think I've spoken to you about this as well. It's like, I feel like when we're, we're we've, we've sort of reached an age now in, in our lives, Sonny, where I guess our paths can kind of like separate a little bit, you know, people are moving overseas and, and, you know, I guess we, we don't, we lose that kind of physical connection. So one of the questions that I had for you that I might have for you, Chris, is how do you, how are you able to sort of maintain your connections with people like that over the friendships that you made um, over here in Australia, as well as forming new friendships over there in, in, in the UK? Yeah. I mean, definitely challenging, but I think that really the first point and, and, and to the, you know, to your point about, you know, suicide, particularly in, you know, men aged, you know, in the 30s and 40s, obviously it's it's terrible. And I think that that's very much tied to what you're talking about is is related to kind of this this idea of, you know, loneliness and kind of, you know, priorities changing and and then really, you know, losing connection to both friendship and community as well, which is, you know, obviously we need both of those things. So I think that the, from, a, from a starting point, really recognising that and saying that, okay, friendship is, is a critical part of, of our lives for all of us and never kind of letting that go as well. It is super important, first of all. We always need friendship. Um, and, you, yeah, we, we've all seen it before. Right? People get into a relationship, they move overseas, and then suddenly they, they disappear. And I think that is, you know, that is problematic for that person. I think that they that, that comes, you know, from a, from a self-awareness really around, you know, friendship is so important and your friends will be there always. So yeah, for me, again, it's just really around, you know, setting up those communication 
cadences, you know, I have, you know, a call with, with, you know, a certain friend Thursday morning, you know, with Lynchy on Sunday, you know, and just really like sticking to that. And maybe some people I catch up with every seven weeks, six weeks, whatever it might be, eight weeks, you know, and just keeping those, those there. I mean, knowing that for me, I mean, I've got to, I'll come back in December. So that's always a good thing. Miss the UK winter. Exactly. I'll let you enjoy that. Yeah. Just, you know, but then being open to kind of meeting new friends here as well. But yeah, just not, I think when we move away, like it's very easy to say, and I saw this, you know, during my MBA, there was people that, that you'd meet and then, you know, towards the end of the course, you know, that they were kind of, you know, there were all the events, they kind of were friends with everyone. And then suddenly like the course would finish graduation and then they would kind of disappear. And I, and I never really understood that mindset really around, you know, like these connections are so important to you, not just from a perspective of networking or, you know, your career, but they're also important to you in terms of like, like your mental health, like more importantly. So Absolutely. I think- Valuing that is kind of the first is the first step, I believe. Completely. Putting agree. Time. Yeah. Chris, this has been a ripper conversation. I feel like man Mank and I had like a light plan of uh, different topics we were going to talk about, but I feel like this has even turned out better than that. And we've gone in so many different divergence. And thank you as well for throwing back some of those questions to us and, and getting us to because I, I guess like we're often in the easy seat asking you all the tough questions you know when was the last time you were bottled up you know what's one thing you're working through and how reflection has been a big part in your life and really appreciate you taking the opportunity um, in the time that we have to flip that back on us and get us to actually do the hard yards and actually reflect on that yeah one of the questions just to close this out is you're doing some awesome work in the UK would love to know you know what's next what have you got planned for 100 coffee movement you know where can people find you if people want to engage with you obviously you're back in december if someone wants to get a latte or flat white or a picker what is it a piccolo piccolo, uh, piccolo. whatever whatever it might be um yeah all, all those all those wonderful details and um, i'll let you kind of take the floor on that one no worries thank you yeah first of all yeah, i really appreciate you having me on really really um really grateful for that and you've had some great some wonderful guests. So thanks for, for including me in that group of people. And thanks also for answering my questions. I wanted to try and make a bit of a conversation between us. I think you've got, you both got some great insights and I've listened to a few episodes before. And I think that some of your insights are, are amazing and some of the work that you're doing is amazing. So um, especially with Bottled Up. So I wanted to also hear your insights as well. So wasn't letting you off the hook that easily. Um, in terms of what's next, I think for me, there's a, there's a book in 100 Coffees for sure. Uh, one of my goals is to write a sample chapter in the next month and send that to publishers. So if anyone's got any publisher contacts or advice around that, I'd love to, <laughs> love to hear from them. But all um, jokes aside, that, that's probably what's next for me. I'd really like to tell. I feel like this story's within me and I've done a lot of speaking about it and, you know, the TEDx talk and so on, but I'd love to write about this story and really, you know, yeah, and and kind of tell this story and um, to the to the world again in a book format. So I think that that's something for me that's um, is on the cards. And then in terms of keeping in touch, I mean, I, I yeah, I mean, my email is chris at hundredcoffeemovement.com. It's pretty pretty straightforward <laughs> if you want to keep in touch. LinkedIn as well, just Chris over on LinkedIn. I do write a newsletter on social connection. It's called Connections Brewing. You can find it on Substack as well. Uh, also a recommendation from Sandy to write on Substack. So. <laughs> Thank you, Sandeep, again. Once again, he's featured a lot in this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really excited for kind of the summer here, really excited for, you know, what, like, just continue to learn, continue to meet new people, always open to a latte or a beer or anything that, that people want to want to have with me. So really appreciate um, 
Yeah, but really appreciate the opportunity to speak and, and thank you so much. Thank you so much, Chris. One more thing as well. If um, if the Tigers do make it to the grand finals in, in September, October, will you be coming down as well? I don't think I will. I mean, to be honest, <laughs> the, the, the story behind this scarf is it's actually, I mean, my best friend, Lynchy, the guy who we, we talk on every Sunday, it's actually his team, Richmond. So that's why I follow Richmond. Um, I, I never grew up with Queen. I never grew up with footy. I was, I'm always a football man. I was a Newcastle fan. I still am. So, yeah, I mean, I do love AFL. Now I've kind of adopted the Tigers as my team, but I'm probably not a diehard supporter that would come back for a game. <laughs> it's more mutual support with my best mate, particularly when they weren't very good, Richmond, right? I mean, they've only just recently in the last sort of five years turned really good. And before that, it was a bit of a struggle for them. So, yeah, there's a bit yeah. of a mutual support there in that sky. <laughs> to wrap it out, Chris, thank you very much for coming on. And... We'll put all the details in the show notes, your email, LinkedIn, 100 Coffee Movement and everything like that, even your Substack, if you can link that to us. But thanks again and and hope to connect again. Mank, not too much else from my end. I'll kick it off. This is Sunny signing off. This is Mank signing off. And that's a wrap for this episode. If you are enjoying our conversations, please help us out with a quick rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. All the conversations are recorded in video, so check us out on Instagram and Facebook at our handle at BottledUpOz. Drop us a comment or a message if any of these conversations resonate with you. And most importantly, please share this podcast with anyone who might need it.